This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. Hello and welcome back. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, SiriusXM 111. I'm Catherine Hayes. I'm the Executive Director of the Wharton Future of Advertising Program, and I am here with my special guests today, Cheryl and Mark Burgess. And today we're talking about their book, The Social Employee. We've just spent the last half hour with them understanding a little bit about the basics of it, social employees, social businesses, social leaders. Um, And I'm happy to welcome our next guest, Tom Peters, to the show. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Tom, as you probably all know, uh, my listeners out there, is uh, the co-author of the iconic book In Search of Excellence um, and has written many, many other books, I think 16 in almost 30 years. And so he's really stayed at the forefront of uh, the the management industry. Um, And what's the latest, I think your latest title is Little Big Things, 160 Ways, Three Ways to Pursue Excellence. So we're so pleased to have you on the show, Tom. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks again. <clears throat> so I know that you were one of the early reviewers of The Social Employee, and the quote is, this book is a landmark that converts the power of social media from fiction to fact. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what given your vantage point, where do you see this notion of the social employee coming into business these days? Well, I think perhaps it is a dream long held, that is becoming a dream come true, Uh, by which I mean we've gone through dozens of iterations of self-managed teams, uh, empowered employees, and so on, and they've all been partial. But Hmm. my reading of the social employee, and it's intentionally a grand reading, is literally an environment where everyone is customer-facing, where everyone is de facto a business person. Uh, To go back a million years before the social employee, an old friend of mine by the name of Barry Gibbons turned around Burger King 30 years ago. Mm. And I remember he said, what I really want is 250,000 employees, each one of whom is the brand. They are the brand as much in purchasing and human resources as the people who are officially facing the customer. Mm-hmm. I've also got to say one thing uh, you know, about Cheryl and Mark's book is I fell drop dead in love <laughs> with a quote in the book from an IBM guy who talked about a bag of marbles. And I love that bag of marbles. And I've used them probably more than Cheryl and Mark. (laughs) Which Mark just used uh, in the last half hour of the show. We love that. Thank you. Yeah, we do. Thank Thank you. you. A bag of marbles has a certain surface area. Yes, yes. But if you have 100 marbles in the bag, now my geometry is so far out of date, it's not even (laughs) funny. You got 100 marbles in the bag, and each of those individual marbles has a substantial surface area. Then the surface area of 100 individual marbles is infinitely higher than the surface area of the bag. And that's precisely what I think Mark and Cheryl are doing. That's fantastic. Uh, Thank you, Tom. So so I guess especially from your vantage point after, I guess, more than 40 years working with leaders from some of the world's largest companies, 
Um, and thinking about these executives, what do, you, what do you see as really important at the executive level as they think about this? Because I'm sure many executives who are listening are like, okay, unleash my employees uh, with social media and I'm losing all control. And there are, of course, a number of wonderful um, uh, horror stories out there of it, of, of things going badly. Um, but with your enthusiasm for this, what, what are you really seeing in terms of um, what's important for executives to, to think about um, and well, why should they have a presence? Yeah, Different ways I'd respond. Number one is that line of attack is a yawner for me mm-hmm. because way back when in 1999, I wrote a book called Brand You. And the notion of the Brand You book was that to survive in the turbulent world, every person would have to become a de facto independent business person. Mm -hmm. And immediately the attacks began. I don't want 400 independent business persons working (laughs) for me. My God, what an awful thing that would possibly be. And I said, look, the only salvation you've got in these turbulent times is people who are energetic, focused on the business as a whole, and so on. And so, you know, the the same knock is being put on uh, you know, the, the idea, if you will, of the social employee, it's, you know, I, I could get rude and crude about it. It's bought no, without no, imagination. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine anything more wretched than an environment with six or 1,600 employees where people were, if you want, if you want to mark in, march in lockstep in 2016, I've got news for you. Every one of those lockstep jobs can be done a hell of a lot better by an algorithm and software and artificial intelligence <laughs> than one can possibly imagine. Uh, and, you know, that's, a, that's another piece of it, and maybe we can go there as well, because with these changes that are coming, and I'm also a fan of the book The Third Machine Age, with these changes mm-hmm. that are coming, I believe that every boss, including the person who's running a three-person temporary project team has a number one responsibility to themselves, to their families, to the community, to their nation. Number one responsibility is to develop people. Right, right. And and so how do you see um, executives, their own social media presence um, for those who haven't been involved before? Do, should executives have a social media presence? And if so, how? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I wish the heck I could remember who it was. Uh, oh, gosh. I, there's, a, there's a Canadian financial services company called Orange, and the CEO was quoted in a book, and speaking as an American National Football League fan, I loved it. He said, I, this is the CEO of a serious, sizable financial services firm. He said, I would rather have one Twitter conversation with an individual customer than spend $10 million on a Super Bowl ad. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, he is not the norm. Uh, you know, I, especially I in financial I services. You'd think that, especially financial services, I think you'd think that they would be particularly risk averse for that sort of no, thing. No, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I really can't give you a good answer to your question mainly uh, because I'm sharing the airspace with two people who actually know that answer. I mean, my hypothesis and observation is that most CEOs, most senior officers uh, either are 
incompetence a bad word, marginally competent at social media. Uh, what I would fear, which is true in a lot of cases, surrounded by lawyers who tell them that if they ever say anything that's out of place at all, uh, they're right. going to be in deep doggy doo-doo. Uh, but I, I think, and I'm not Mark and Cheryl, I think the track record for senior folks in sizable companies uh, is still not that great. The, the wonderful news is that middle-sized companies and niche companies are eating their lunch because, in fact, the people running those organizations may well be pretty far uh, down the road. There's another example I've got that I love of a company that has become the third most traffic website in the world on some topic associated with swimming pools. And it turns out the company has got about six in the boondocks somewhere in Virginia or West Virginia, but they are planetary superstars with a half dozen people from a small place. So sure as heck can be done. That's fantastic. I I wanted to go back a little bit to you. You mentioned before uh, the 97 article that you wrote in Fast Company called A Brand You, um, and that it it created a bit of a firestorm, to say the least. Um, And considering that that was so far before the launch of Twitter, and your own personal following of, of so many users, do you, do you think that the use of social media blurs the lines between an employee's personal brand and their professional lives? And if so, well, how does I that really... I hope that line is always blurred. Yeah. And I hope it's blurred because I don't want just you, the employee, even if you're well-trained and so on. I want the human being. And increasingly, one of the things we're seeing, whether it's the craziness of the election cycle or something far more uh, mundane, is that is that people in the marketplace want more than specs. They want personality. And obviously, it can be done wrong a hundred different ways. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I just want – I don't want Cheryl Burgess, the marketer, working for me or social media marketer i want i want social shoot <laughs> i want i want her the social media marketer and her as a human being i mean we use this word authenticity all the time i, I want a little of that authenticity and of who she really is uh, yeah yeah and yeah, that's you, that's what it ends up bringing. and you definitely have that tom <laughs> So if you're just joining us, uh, my guest here is on the line, Tom Peters. He's the iconic co-author of In Search of Excellence. And I also have Cheryl and Mark Burgess, who are the co-authors of uh, The Social Employee, which is what we're talking about today. We actually have a call from one of our listeners, um, speaking of uh, personal brand. And so, Millicent in Tennessee, you've got a question about personal branding? Yes, I do. Um I am graduating with my doctorate in business, so I'm doing a case study on Nikki Landykis, who is actually a phenomenal CEO of the Commune Hotels. And so I have a business. It's a business consulting business. And so I'm in this emerging leaders class, and they said, brand the business. But then as I go out and I do workshops trying to build my brand, people started saying, well, no, we want to know you. So I ended up getting... 5,000 friends on Facebook, half of the people I don't personally know. So you go to delete them, you get these nasty inbox messages like, hey, why did you delete me? And I'm like, because I don't personally know you. I have a fan page. Or so when you're on Twitter, 
you try to brand the business, they want to know Millicent Hollingsworth, not 40 Enterprises. Right, right. So, Mark, do you, any just quick thoughts sure. for Millicent? It sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, I'll give you one key idea, right? I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but one really, one thing to make you great, and it's really a LinkedIn profile, a really, really good LinkedIn profile. I mean, we find that uh, something like 95% of corporate recruiters and employers will screen individuals in LinkedIn before they decide to interview them. So it is that digital space, the new electronic resume. It's where you can build connections and you can add all those wonderful things you've done beyond even business things that can make you stand out. I mean, it's the same advice that I give to um, tons of MBA students at Rutgers. And it's something that I think uh, I've seen a lot of people do that and get great benefit from it. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Millicent. So um, back to you, Tom Peters. Um, I know in terms of um, some of the work that you've talked about is that training is the number one investment for an organization. And I think from your comments so far, we've got a sense of it. But maybe if you could just give us a little bit more of an idea about why you, why you just feel that it's so important compared to some of the other investments in things like product development, R&D, uh, or other sorts of initiatives. Well, I would respond in two different ways. Uh, one, which is not quite the response to the more grand question you asked, there's always an example I use uh, that I came across somewhere or other. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld is an old pro. He's both a pro and he's old. He's been around forever and ever and ever. And yet this example I saw, I think it came off a video actually, said to this day, as in 2016, it takes Jerry Seinfeld six months in small out-of-the-way clubs to add two to three minutes to his repertoire. Wow. Hmm. And, you know, that, that to me is, is, is what it's all about. I, I would also, I don't like to overdo it with sports analogies, but many people say that the greatest college coach of anything anywhere was a UCLA basketball coach by the name of John Wooden. And maybe the tongue was a little in cheek, but my favorite Wooden quote is, I wasn't much of a game coach, but I was a pretty good practice coach. Hmm. And, and so, hmm. you know, again, I, I think from this oceanic standpoint of America, the world, and so on, we need people to be growing and growing and growing. And then I get picky and personal. We can talk about development. We can talk about this. I like the idea of training. You know, it, it's, it's training to me means just, you know, maybe it's that 10,000 hours to mm. master your whatever, but it's the notion of getting better and better and better. And relative to our prior listener, I agree I find her comments interesting, and I certainly 100% agree with Mark. But the one, the one thing I like to say when people talk to me about personal branding is maybe you ought to read the first few pages of the book, which says starting position is phenomenally good at something. Hmm. You know, there's hmm. got to be a there there. <laughs> right. And, you know, product development, et cetera, to go to your, to your other question – Obviously, I think those are incredible things, sure. but you know, it's, we are as good as our teammates. I, I can talk about an HR department, but what I want is 32 people who are working for me in HR 
or seven in a training part uh, uh, department therein who are desperate to learn, develop, train every single day. And I, as a boss, incidentally, have got to give them the space and the opportunity to do that. And how much of that do you see um, translating into the use of social media for some of those kinds of platforms? And, and Cheryl and Mark, feel free to, to jump in. If you're thinking about your employee and you're wanting them to get better and better and better, is, is social media, social platforms, an output of that? Or are there also sort of inputs from social media that should well, be tapped? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a gamer. I've never been a gamer. Uh, and yet, you know, I've studied it, which probably is the worst combination of words. But the magic of games is that the magic of modern games is that people are engaging with hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not Twitter, uh, but it's actually, in many respects, Twitter on steroids. And there was a wonderful study that, that I saw. It was in Jane McGonigal's book, uh, The Re Reality is Broken. And you've got two groups of kids, one who are gamers and one who are not. And you have a task where they are going to be judged on how helpful they are to others. So the assumption is the gamers are bent over a bloody computer screen all day long, and they're <laughs> going to be the most selfish sons of guns you've ever heard of. <laughs> Wrong. The gamers were much, much better because the way you play a game is you cooperate with your 700 friends in Delhi or your 900 friends in Ankara or where have you. So, you know, the, the, the whole idea of social and, in particular, social with the entire world, you know, I, I like to say crowdsourcing of everything from the minute you get up in the morning to your last uh, blink of your eyes before you go to bed <laughs> at night. So right. social is just this phenomenal opportunity to, uh, you know, to be part of, part of the entire world. And, you know, again, relative to our colleagues' comment to us, um, I don't get rid of anybody unless they're obscene uh, who are among my Twitter followers, I, I know that the reality is it's only a tiny share who are engaging, but that's fine. That's the point. You know, you, you have this group of five or 500,000 who are following you, and it, it's a self-selecting deal. People who are interested in the stuff that I'm interested in or whose stuff I'm interested in, it's a, it's a self-designing community. And, you know, I know I get unfollowers all the time. People have had enough of my nonsense, and I certainly don't blame them for that. <laughs> and so if you, if you think about, um, you know, your work from um, when you wrote uh, In Search of Excellence all those years ago, um, and now you, as you said at the, at the top of the show, that, that this opportunity to use social media has been so transformative. Do you have any examples in terms of some of the concepts that you were putting across where social media has been able to offer kind of the, the holy grail, if you will, to, to really engage people in a far more um, cohesive and comprehensive way? Well, I'm going to say something I really don't want to say it's not rude or seen <laughs> or anything like that, but it is self-serving on this social media thing, okay? Uh, 
I started doing Twitter seriously about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't spend as much time in public as I used to. Uh, but there was a, a big algorithmically determined hundred most significant influencers in the world done by MIT and some Swiss think tank. And I ended up number 37 on that list. The Pope beat me. <laughs> I nailed wow. people like uh, Elon Musk. And I'm not bragging, but what I am saying is that gives me an opportunity to do a lot of things. And let's be clear, that came from T-W-I-T-E-R. Right. Period. Uh, yeah, I mean, a few other things and so on. But, but the power is infinite. Mm-hmm. The power is infinite, and, it's a, and it is available to one and all. And, you know, we, we started talking about this stuff in Search of Excellence and said, you know, if you give your employees a, a lot more sway and so on. But now we can really do that. Do that. Mm-hmm. And, again, I just go back to that bag of marbles that I love so darn much <laughs> It's just that if much Sharon, more, th- that much more if surface. If Mark hadn't put that bag of marbles in, my life would not be half as rich. Uh, well, we're glad you love Tom, that, Tom. We're rich to have you. I'm um, seriously, and and I've you know followed some of your stories and some of them, as you said on Twitter, they're just amazing engagement with people. But I want to just put a plug in for you. Um, your Twitter handle is at Tom. T-O-M underscore Peters, P-E-T-E-R-S. So for any of you listeners out there that want to jump on Twitter, um, just listen. Even if you're lurkers, Tom loves lurkers and he loves people who engage. And if he does engage with you, he doesn't care if you have 100,000 followers or 10 followers. He just cares about, right, Tom? I say that's that's an incredibly kind thing to say. I, I will say, which I think supports your point, though it's slightly self-serving, is you really get points when you respond to people. Right, yeah, you do. Yeah. I mean, well, and if you have good yes. content, right? Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you've got something to say. It doesn't hurt, but the point of Twitter is that, or Twitter as I use it, is there are statistically the a lot of people who've got good content out there. Yes. You know, when, when I go to the main screen and, and, and look, I can't go more than, you know, I, I do speed reading, obviously, with the, with the tweets, but I can't go more than 10 or 15 tweets without finding something that piques my interest and, in a way, far more important, something new. I, I bet you 40% of the new stuff I've come across has been triggered by, you know, some link at Twitter or by a comment at Twitter, and it is, it is my university. And I know other other people have different. Some people are, are Tumblr, um, you know, focused. Some are, are Facebook focused. But, but yeah, the power of it and of the ability to to really hone in on those topics. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, people, I'm not making a, a in any way a generic pro. Not Twitter. at all. But yeah. It, well, it, for me, it was one thing at a time. I blogged insanely until about five years ago, 
And then I started working on Twitter, and I basically gave up blogging because I kind of go all out for whatever it is <laughs> and couldn't go out all out for two things at the same time. So, so we, we have uh, for me, but that's tantamount to nothing. Well, we have 30 seconds left, so this is a, a question that Cheryl and Mark asked me to ask you. What is a good tattoo for business leaders that are active in social media? Oh, jeez. Come oh. on. <laughs> Uh, that was my question, that was Tom. Question. <laughs> uh, oh my heavens! A good, a good tattoo for business leaders. Oh my! Oh my heavens! Ten seconds. I shouldn't have uh, asked you this. I should have given you more time. Uh, quit being fraidy cats, to use an old term. There you Let go. your people loose. <laughs> I love, there love that. There you go. Great. Tom Peters, uh, thank you thanks, so much thanks, for coming Tom. on the thank show you. and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Hope we can have you back on the program at some point in the future. I'm Catherine Hayes. This is Marketing Matters. David Edelman up next on Business Radio, powered by Wharton on Sirius XM 111. Stay tuned. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.